word. Guide us further into your presence. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we continue on in our series of God is love. We want to look at continue to see what love looks like. And love looks like loving your neighbor. Can church say amen? Amen. So we want to talk about that love is what God wants us to do. And so therefore we should not limit love by an emotion. Because God is not an emotion. Because remember, God is love. Do not limit love to a fleeting experience. For God is eternal. And God is love. And we know God's love never fails. We do not limit love by a point of, of an experience or a fleeting an emotion. Because we understand if God defines what love is then we know that love has no limits. Love is not based on man's knowledge of love because man's knowledge is limited. God created us in his own image. And if we are to love God, then we must love one another. And to love one another, we got to love our neighbor. And so we're going to address that. Who is my neighbor? Who, who makes up who I called to be my neighbor. And as we look at this, we find the background for our text today from Luke, the gospel, 10th chapter, verses uh, 25 to 37 from Deuteronomy 6th chapter, verse 4 and 5, when, he, when, when God commands them, say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so that's where we pick up this text in the gospel according to Luke. Y'all with me there? And when you look at the gospel according to Luke, you might notice that there's a, a, a two sections. Those who may have studied Bibles, it says the most important commandment. And then it brings us to the parable of the good Samaritan. Because somebody say good Samaritan. And so we're going to look at why did Jesus decide to tell this parable of the good Samaritan? And it's based off the question that came from a lawyer. Uh, you know, lawyers can ask you good questions and you got to come up with a good response. And so the lawyer was prepared. He already worked it out. Oh, how he said, I'm going to test him to see he could answer my question correctly. So Jesus had to put this person in a, in a position that they had to answer correctly, but yet answer to themselves. Because here's the situation, the background of the process. Samaritan to the Jews were not people they like. It was like oil and water. They didn't mix. And so a Jew did not like a Samaritan because they were a half-breed. They weren't pure, and therefore they should not be in the relationship with others. Basically, as we know, we're celebrating Black History Month. You, you can't celebrate Black History Month without knowing the history of segregation and oppression and, and slavery. And so here's the history about the Jews and the Samaritans. They, Samaria was a, a Jewish territory, but yet they started intermingling, getting married. They sent the people they didn't like that were covered under the blessing to be in Samaria. That's why they would go around Samaria instead of going through Samaria, because they'd rather go around the place. They go through the place. I'm talking to somebody here that that they hated them so much that they had them segregated and separated that they didn't want to be with them. Sort of how, you know, you had uh, whites only and blacks only. 
my father shared with me how he liked to go to the movie theater because the blacks could only sit at the balcony. He said that's where the air conditioning was. So to him, that was cool to go up there on the side door to go to the front to be cool to watch the movie. But yet in a situation that we can find benefits from the segregation, but yet we understand the segregation did not come for a blessing, but because they didn't like you. So here we're going to look at what love looks like. So the y'all with me there? Luke 10 chapter verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may be seated. Those who are standing. So first, the lawyer wants to know, how do I get eternal life? Well, he says, if you want to have eternal life, you must what? Love God. You must love him how much? With all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength. Basically, with everything you have, you should love God. But no we point out that loving God is not based on an emotion, but on your action. I, I know that you love me by how you treat me. Am I talking to somebody here? That You know there's some people that you know that love you because they call on you, they check on you, they're there for you. And you know those people that don't really care about you. Because they don't know your name. I talk to somebody here. They don't really know what's going on in your life, but yet they, they'll be the first ones to talk about you. Am I talking to somebody here that knows that when someone loves you, they don't talk about you. They talk to you and, and find out what's going on with you and encourage you and lift you up and support you because love makes us feel better about ourselves. The man wanted to know how can I get eternal life? He asked him, do you know the law? He said, you see how it's going there. He says that you study the law, so you know the law. So you know what the law says. You know what the proper response is. You know what you should do. That's sort of how mama might talk to a child, say, baby, you know better. And I know you know better because I told you what you should do, right? So so if you know they're having that rhetorical question with you because they just want you to get to you to confess that you know what you ought to do. They know the answer. You know the answer, but they want to know, will you admit? Am I talking to somebody here? That you will admit you know the answer. So what does God desire? Micah 6 and 8 tells us, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what it requires of you, that you do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Love is commanded by God, and love is required by God. Let me say that again to help us understand here. Love is commanded by God and love is required by God. Here's the problem that sometimes we don't understand that love is not a choice. If you serve God, it's a command. And what does it mean to be a command? If you follow a command, you're doing your job. Think about how if you apply for a job, they ask you about are your, what are your requirements to have this job? Well, to requ- a requirement for you to serve God is you got to love. 
if you don't have love in you, then you can't apply for the job. I wish I had one more witness in here to understand that if you don't got the qualifications, they let you know no need to apply. Thank you for coming. Thank you. But please move on where I got some other people I need to interview for this process. But when you have love that it gets you into the door and then God says, I command you that you should love. But love is not limited on just who you know. Because God is showing us that he is love and we ought to love everybody. So love leads to obedience. The lawyer is looking to challenge Jesus by asking him how to have eternal life. The, the goal of eternal life is based on the law as they know it. But God has, has sent Jesus to let us know that we are no longer under the law, but under grace. And, and by grace, we have been saved through Jesus Christ. So the law teaches us to obey God because it exposes our sin, lets us know we're always going to fall short. But grace, hallelujah, covers our sin and helps us and teaches us how to love and so aren't you glad that God sent grace to help us out to fill in those gaps that just so when the times we fall short we understand what love looks like because God shows us love the lawyer replies I love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself y'all see that there in the text and Jesus answers him what right You got the right answer. Do this and you will live. Here's a situation here that Jesus knew the man knew because this is what the Jews would practice as the Shema. The Shema was a a prayer that would say daily and it says, here you always, the Lord God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. And they go on from Leviticus, the 19th chapter, say, and love your neighbor as yourself. They recited that every day. So they had that in mind. They should have it in their heart. There's some things that we know that when you know something, you can say it every day. And then you should walk it out. And so to them to say it means they ought to live it. And Deuteronomy, if you go back, it says to hear your ears, the Lord God is one. It says after that part that you ought to teach it every day you sit down. And you're rising up and you're laying down. It says, teach it to your children who God is. This is when he gave them the promised land. Let them know, I'm about to bless you with stuff you never have. But don't forget where your blessing comes from. There's a blessing in keeping the law. So loving God is not made to be simple and convenient. Loving God is also loving your neighbor. The, the lawyer now says, I got him now. He answered my question. I says, this is what I was setting him up on. Who is my neighbor? Uh, we know who God is, and, and God is love. And we know our family, and we love our family, but... Do we really have to love other people? Jesus teaches how we are to live out this great commandment by giving this parable. A parable, again, is, is basically when you get parallel, you know, two lines, something lined up to another. It's a story of real life parallel with the kingdom perspective. And so we're going to look at the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and see how it lines up in real life and then get the kingdom perspective. Many of us are familiar with this Good Samaritan story so much so that there's a law in our, in our world, right? The Good Samaritan law. That if you try to help somebody and something goes wrong, you can be covered by the good Samaritan law. Just by you just trying to do the right thing. 
you get covered. Why? Because this Bible story is popular because people like when somebody does the right thing. I'm talking to somebody here. Now, when you can help people out, they like that. So think about it. Good Samaritan is a positive term, but here in the biblical perspective, right here in this text, it's not a positive term. It's actually a negative term. It's basically a derogatory term. It's something you'd rather not be accepted or believed in, but yet now we celebrate it and say this person's a good Samaritan. You have awards at schools say the Good Samaritan Award because they recognize that when you show compassion, when you serve and you give back to your community, this ought to be what? Recognized. And so here it is. Jesus says, I gave you what love looks like. So the parable, we know the parable, right? We can read it again, but I'm just going to summarize it for you. Right. A man goes down the wrong alley. That's not the Bible. Trans- that's family translation. The man goes down the wrong alley. He gets robbed. He gets jumped. He gets beat down. They took his Jordans. They took his watch. They took his jewelry. They've got his car keys and his house keys. They took his wallet so they know where to go get extra stuff. Y'all, y'all, you hear me, y'all? And they left him. So he dead. Can't nobody get him. And people walking down the sidewalk and they can hear a guy murmur. Oh. And they look around and see a guy and they know not going down that alley. Right? A, a, a minister walks by on his way to church to serve the people. See somebody in need of help. And then all of a sudden he starts listening to different music by Isaac Hayes saying, walk on by. Here come a deacon talking to an usher. Well, I'm getting great. We're about to go serve today. We're going to help some people today. Here's somebody. Oh, no, not helping you today. And they too turn and have a new playlist. Walk on by. And so here it is that a Samaritan, a good Samaritan, someone who does not have title, does not have status, happens to walk on by and realize someone is in need. They go in that dark alley. The Bible says that he picked him up and and put him on his own beast, his own animal, and carried him to a place. Notice what it says here. It says that he paid for his stay. And he says that if he exceeds these expenses, guess what? I'll be back to cover what is used by this man. I'm going to cover every part of this cost. And notice that there must be a relationship with the Samaritan and the innkeeper basically to trust him on credit to know that he's going to be back. And to know that when I come back, I will cover all his debts. Y- y'all see that there? So, so here it is that the Samaritan looked and he saw compassion. Y'all see that there? Compassion. What is compassion? To have sympathy, to have empathy, to, to mo- be moved to do something when you see someone's in need. God's creation should love one another. That it, it should not take you much just for you to want to give to somebody. That's why they tug on your heartstrings. It's, it's kind of hard for you to, to love God's people, love people, and then to watch somebody starving on the TV. You know how they show their slow song music? 
And all of a sudden, that little kid, right, with the one tear on his face and flies all over him, and they look starved and hungry, says, for a quarter, you can feed this child, right? They get in at your heart to realize if you got love in you, you will help out this child. You sit him back for a cup of coffee, right? They tell you what, for, for a cup of coffee, you can make a donation and change this child's life. Basically, realize a little bit, maybe for people you do not know, you can still be a blessing to them. See, love is not based on who I know. Love is based on what I know about God, and God has made everybody. So I said, what? Love everybody, no matter the differences. Remember again that the Samaritan and the Jews, they don't get along. So it does not matter the ethnicity. It does not matter the wealth, your social status. It does not matter your denomination. It does not matter. You should love. Can I get someone to say you should love everybody? We used to sing the song, you know, Jesus loves the little children, red and yellow, black and white. They are children in this side. We sing those songs that Jesus loves the little children, but we walk and say, I hate you. That something's not lining up here. How can I say I love and speak of love, but I walk out these doors and I start speaking hate and start saying you should die. You should not have any privileges. You should not have any right. Does that sound like love? Love does not discriminate. Notice the Samaritan did not discriminate and said, I will help out this person. I will serve this person. I will even put myself in harm's way and in danger to go down where this person is. This person could be a trap. You know, back in the day, this is set traps. Looks like somebody was in distress just so they can jump you and get more and set the trap again. This man was willing to put himself in harm's way just to help somebody else out. And so here's the situation that we ought to practice. How have we been willing to give up of our own time and our own resources just to help somebody else out? How have you took the time out to realize that regardless of my differences, may that not separate me from loving you and serving you because of who you are? Just as you want good customer service when you walk into a store, you don't want somebody to mistreat you just the way because how you are dressed. My dad used to laugh at me. We used to go out on our summer vacations, and I would just be wearing my tank tops and shorts and walk into a store, and they don't say anything to me. My, my dad walk in and say, hello, sir, how can I help you? I say, dad, they didn't ask me anything. He says, you look like you don't have any money. He says, they look at me, they see money. <laughs> As I understood, like, man, I walked in and nobody asked, can I help you, sir? They're like, this boy ain't buying nothing today. But my dad knew I had money, but said, but the way you look. And so you don't like to be treated the way you are looking. You want to be treated as if you have something already good in you. You want people to look upon you and see past your pain, your hurt, your suffering, and say, I will treat you with a person as individual with pride and dignity. That's why Mother Teresa was so awesome that every time she met somebody, she treated them as they were special. And why were they special? She said, I treated each one like they were Jesus. Oh, wow. And so think about how if we could treat everybody with respect and love. You can't say, I love God, but I hate my neighbor. And so here's it. Am I loving one another? Am I treating them with, ex- with uh, pride and respect? Do I see good in them or do I just talk about the negative about them? 
So here's how we find God's love found in the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan saw compassion. God looks at us with compassion. John 3.16 makes it so clear. For God so loved the world he gave. Notice that he gave so that we might have life. The 17th verse says he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. That's compassion, that I see that you are in trouble, you need help. I will step down and help you. Just like the man, he was injured. The good Samaritan saw his injury, saw his wounds, and healed him. Just like us dying in sin, in need of salvation, God stepped in and took our broken lives to heal us. God's compassion moved him to save us. The good Samaritan's compassion moved him to save that man. But not only does God's salvation covers us and and redeems us, just like the good Samaritan, right, paid his debt, covered him, covered the cost he could not cover. Aren't you glad that you don't have to pay the price? You don't have to pay the price. Hallelujah. For Jesus paid our debt. Sin has been paid by his death and he defeated death to rise again from the grace so that we might have eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we don't have to suffer death no more. This world we know is passing by, but we know he's coming back again. Just like the good Samaritan. He says, I'm coming back. God is coming back again to restore us and redeem us and make us more like him. And so in the end of the story, Jesus asks the lawyer, who's the one who showed love? Notice Jesus was specific. Uh, He said there was a Samaritan. He said there was a Levite, right? There was a priest, right? So which character, which one? Notice the man did not say which character. It was beneath him to even acknowledge the Samaritan. So he just decided to say the one who showed mercy. What, what, what I like about that, that he knows what mercy looks like. He could not acknowledge it was a Samaritan, but he realized that mercy shows compassion. Mercy helps those who are in need. Mercy is beautiful. And Jesus tells him, now go and do the same. He's telling him that you too need to go love your Neighbor, who's my neighbor? Everybody, all who are near, even those who are not like you, who don't dress like you, who don't like the same music like you, who don't vote the same way as you, who does not have the same income as you, who does not have the same job or status or the same education with you. Sometimes we get caught up that we just want to walk around because I got letters after my name. I'm better than somebody. But I want you to understand that when it comes up, it's just going to say whose names in the Lamb Book of Life, not how many alphabets you got after your name. You can go to a speaking engagement or a convention, let them take the time, introduce doctor, so-and-so, philosophy of such-and-such, studied here, study that, and everybody going to wait until you, they exhaust your name. But yet, I just want Jesus to call our name. God's love never fails. His mercy is everlasting. There was the hymn writer that says, when nothing else could help, love lifted me so you see here right the man was down but compassion lifted him he was beaten down but love lifted him in our same life we may be feeling defeated and down but God's love 
is able to lift you up. It's able to turn you around and get you to where you need to be. It's able to nurse you back to health and to strength. This love is an awesome love. Let us pray. Thank you.